Hey, do you love the Postmodern Art Podcast? Do you want to help the podcast grow? Do you want to potentially be a part of it as well? Then maybe you should consider contributing to the Postmodern Art Podcast Patreon! That's right, after months of debate, I finally decided, you know what? Let's make a Patreon. Because I want to be able for you guys to be as involved with this podcast as possible and help the podcast grow. For a monthly fee as low as $5 a month, you can get some incredible benefits and some incredible behind-the-scenes stuff no matter what tier you go to. Just with the $5 tier alone, you get to see incredible behind-the-scenes content, just like old works and progresses of old thumbnails. You get to see some content that I may have had to cut for one reason or another. You get a monthly audio shout-out at the end of the podcast. You get a video version of the podcast one day early. And at the end of the podcast, on the video version, when the music is playing us out, you can see your name at the very end of the podcast. But that's just even for the $5 tier. For the $15 tier, that monthly audio shout-out, yeah, that becomes a uh, weekly audio shout-out. Plus, you get a bonus monthly episode of the podcast. Plus, you might get an opportunity, if there's a guest you really want to ask a question to, you get to ask them one question while I make sure to shout you out on the podcast. That's right, you get to ask questions alongside me. And don't even get me started on the highest tier, the $40 tier. At $40, on top of all the other benefits that you get, you're basically sponsoring an episode. So before or during an episode, you get to tell me what to say. So no more boring things about, you know, Patreons and, ooh, check out this podcast. You can just tell me what to say, because you are basically the sponsor of that episode. Plus, on top of that, with all these other tiers, you get increasingly better discounts at the merch shop. So if there's potentially a piece of merch that you wanted to get, maybe contributing to the Patreon would help with that. I've wanted to do this Patreon for a bit to help further grow this podcast, whether it's potentially getting somewhat of a salary to help pay for the thumbnails that I'm getting for the episodes, pay for commissions to help people out, or maybe even bringing on people to help make this podcast even better, like an editor or something along the lines of that. But as much as I would like to be able to do that, I can't do that without you guys. And that's why I'm hoping if you're interested and you want to help this podcast grow, I would greatly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. If you went to patreon.com slash PMAP and helped out with even just the bare minimum, just that little bit of support helps this podcast grow exponentially. So come on, be a part of the Postmodern Art Podcast today and contribute to the Postmodern Art Podcast Patreon. And welcome to the Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve. I am your host, Nathan Raglan, and before we get going, I have a special holiday gift for you guys. Brand new merch! Kick it old school with this 90s retro style logo. Feel the vibe of the throwback with this amazing design by former guest of the podcast, Roya Shahidi, similar to the shirt they gave me for the thumbnail for their episode. I knew whenever I saw that shirt that they gave me, I had to get that in merch. And so I did. Thank you, Roya. It is very much appreciated. It is a wonderful design, and you can get this new design as a t-shirt, mug, mask, even a fanny pack, and so many more ways. Go to pmap.creator-spring.com to check out the new merch right now. Now, with that out of the way, let's get this party started with this week's guest. Today we have Gia Ligamari, a storyboard artist that has worked on the likes of Inside Job, Jellystone, Thundercats Roar, and so many incredible stuff, as well as Moonlighting as a prominent VTuber as well. This was a fun and pleasant conversation to have, and I sincerely hope you guys enjoy it as much as we did. Feel free to support Gia with all the links down in the description below. If you enjoyed the podcast, feel free to like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Enjoy the podcast however you want. If you want to go even further with that support, 
maybe you should consider being a part of the Postmodern Art Podcast Patreon, to where you get video versions a day early, you get behind-the-scenes content, you get a chance to potentially ask guest questions, you get your name at the end of the video version as well, plus a cool audio shout-out depending on which tier you get. Go to patreon.com slash PMAP to be a part of the Patreon right now. Finally, if you want to go even further with that support, and I'd be surprised if you do, because you should already be loving this podcast as it is, you should be a part of the Apocalypse Podcast Network Discord server. We can talk about this podcast and other outstanding ones in the network. In fact, let's hear about another outstanding podcast in the Apocalypse Podcast Network. Greetings from Chromatica, home of Lady Gaga, liberator of kindness punks, mother of little monsters, Tricon of the ages. We are her best fans with a mission to create a podcast celebrating our hero. Broadcasting straight from Chromatica. This podcast is about Lady Gaga for Lady Gaga. But anyone can listen. It doesn't matter if you love him or capital H-I-M. Prove your stupid love. Ace the art pop quiz. Put your paws up. And download the Chromaticast wherever you get your podcasts. Join us every other Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for our live tapings at twitch.tv slash apocalypse podcast network. And now, without further ado, please enjoy the postmodern art podcast. How you, How you doing today? I'm doing tired but well. How about yourself? Doing good. It's good to hear. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking time to do this, by the way. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for inviting me. Well, I guess it's an honor. I've been both seeing some of the stuff you've done with VTubing, but also seeing the fact that you've been doing some incredible work as well, like with you know animation and such. So I just I thought it'd be good to have you on and have a good talk about it. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> there we go. Um, is this your first time appearing on a podcast? No, I've been on a, a couple podcasts. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. I was on um Creative Block recently. Oh, oh really? Oh, nice. It's one of those I I've been like somewhat keeping tabs on them because more than anything else I'd love to like talk to them as well because I know because yeah. I know like they're basically doing what I'm doing with this podcast as well, except mm-hmm. they're getting cooler people if I'm being honest. Oh, please. Now, that being said, the fact that, you know, someone is still out there trying to, you know, give people an opportunity to really showcase themselves, who am I to complain who they get on the podcast, right? Yeah, exactly. Plus, if that's the case, this is the first crossover episode because you're on both. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to think of it. There you go. All right, Gia, before we really get started, I need to ask the icebreaker question I've been asking on the podcast. Let's say you get the opportunity to go to a deserted island on your own accord. It is just you there getting the chance to just sit back, relax, and take a deep breath. However, you get to bring one piece of media or one piece of art with you to make sure you don't go completely insane on the island. (laughs) What is the one piece you bring with you? Oh, man. (laughs) One piece of media... That's a hard one. Yeah. Um, I would bring. Oh gosh, it. Was, well, I was thinking of a musical at first, but then, like you said, I think I would go crazy if I was listening to the same music over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would bring. Comfort movie. Oh, I don't know how to answer that question. Let me think about it, and we'll come back to it. I have to, like, ruminate on what would be best. Okay. And then I'm going to burst out in the middle of our interview, and I'm going to be like, <laughs> and I'll think of it. You know what? That, that, that would be a first because I've just only been asking this for, I don't know, 10, 12 times at this point. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm all for first here. You're gonna, I'm all for you're first. You're going to hear the outburst. The, I am all for first here. If that's the case, since you need time to think about it, let's just jump right in with the Postmodern Art Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Nathan Ragland. Uh, feel free to subscribe or follow whatever streaming platform you prefer. I'm a part of the Apocalypse Podcast Network. Go to ApocalypsePodcastNetwork.com for more about this podcast and other outstanding ones in the network. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PostModArtPod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guest. <clears throat> 
She is a storyboard artist based in LA with experience on shows like Thundercats Roar, Jellystone, and Inside Job, while also being a prominent VTuber. Welcome to the podcast, Gia Ligamari! Hello, and I just thought I would probably bring American Horror Story because that's my very favorite junky, but kind of has substance, campy horror I would bring all of the seasons, and I would never be bored. I'd be fine. I mean, so I told you I'd think of it. (laughs) I was going to say, to be fair, that is actually a pretty good option, because in fact, the wealth of content alone that Ryan Murphy has done with that. So there's a lot to definitely dissect there. But I'm glad you're able to think of that answer, as well as I'm thankful for you to take a time every day to sit down and chat. It is an honor to have you here, this close to the holidays especially, so... um, I really do appreciate it, but before we really develop too much into what you've been working on in the media alone, let's go back just a little bit. I want to know the origin stories of Gia. What got you interested (laughs) in art and animation in the first place? Well, my dad is an artist, my mom's a writer, and uh, I kind of just fell into drawing from a very young age, Mm. Um, and I, I think that probably was a good catalyst. Um, but I, I, as far as cartoons go, I've been watching like Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network and everything, you know, since I was a kid. So I'm very much of the generation that grew up on the new wave of cartoons that being made and wanted to make the same kind of content growing up. So definitely, definitely some VHS tapes of Pokemon and (laughs) Invader Zim reruns that my mom made for me that I just thought was like TV that came on for me in the morning before school. (laughs) That is the sweetest story I've ever heard. Wow. Mm -hmm. Uh, Would you say that like those two particular were some of like the biggest inspiration or like the biggest thing that really like captured your attention more than anything else? I think, well, I I, I can't say no. (laughs) I think that seeing a show like Invader Zim when I was like seven years old, come on TV that definitely it was so different from what was on TV that that made me really interested and enthralled um some other shows that were pretty formative for me were like card captors I loved magical girl stuff that had kind of like some stakes to it um and I really and then as I got older maybe in my teen years I really liked flapjack so I guess I've always liked the like some the subversive version of the cartoons that were out at the time, the weirder ones, oh, yeah. uh, those have always been what I was drawn to. I mean, to be fair, like, Flapjack alone was a very prominent one for me as well. That one, Chowder, Class of 3000, like, when Cartoon yeah. Network ran those cartoons, like, it, yeah. was, it was something else. Um, yeah, for sure. Do you know... Uh, for you, when did it go from just, like, a general love for, like, art and animation to a passion then potentially making it your career? That's a good question because, like, I had my anime phase. I had my – I'm the art kid in my class because I went to a very small Catholic school for most of my life. Like, Catholic schools from where I was from didn't have a lot of kids in the class. So, like, I was always the art kid. Um So when I liked anime, I kind of was the only person that liked anime. And when I liked such and such, I didn't really have a lot of friends that liked the same thing as me. But when I started delving into online communities, um, like hockey boards and just doodle chats and stuff, when I found online friends that, you know, liked the same stuff as me, I realized that that could be a career. And I never thought of that before. But I I don't think that I actually ever thought that I could have a career in art until I was getting my bachelor's in college for animation and illustration. And that was like toward the end of my bachelor's degree. Cause I went to school, I went to school and got my associates and I was kind of in like the sphere of, you can't really make a career out of art. So you have to find a very like logical way to incorporate art into your life. You know what I mean? And then um, I transferred to SUNY Fredonia where they had an animation illustration program. And I think that's when I really started to think like, oh, I actually can do this as a career because I was researching internships and uh, real opportunities for jobs and stuff at that point. So it took a while. Art's always been part of my life, but it wasn't until later in my college career that I wanted to make a career out of it uh, cartoons yeah that's that's actually pretty fair i was gonna say i have somewhat of a 
a similar story myself, like where yeah. I grew up and it, it's like small country town to where like most people are usually staying in the town and such as they get mm-hmm. older. I, it didn't take mm-hmm. until I actually got to college and see that there were careers in making movies before I realized, oh, oh yeah, I could do this. <laughs> Cause... Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember going back to the saying, like, I was in a small Catholic high school, like, my guidance counselor, when I told her that I wanted to go to school for art, literally told me, like, no, mm. you're going to go to school. If you're going to do that, go for communications, like, go for graphic design. Yeah. And I don't even understand how, in her mind, that's any different than any other art career. So I I had a lot of people telling me I couldn't make a career in art, and now, you know, a decade later, here I am. So. Yeah, no, <laughs> no joke indeed. I mean... It's quite a decade as well, if I do say so myself, seeing some of the uh, stuff that you've had a hand in. Now, obviously, like, you went down that animation path, and you definitely have succeeded so far. And I guess your most prominent position so far would be storyboard artist. What is exactly... Ah, wow. Words are yeah. wonderful. <laughs> what is it about storyboard art? <laughs> what is it about being a storyboard artist, like, drew you to that in particular? Like, what do you love about it that makes you want to make that your career? So, um, like a lot of people in school, I was very unsure, like, what path do I want to take? I want to do character design, want to do this, etc. And I think because storyboarding is, um, I went to school for digital media at first when I went to a community college, so I have film experience. So storyboarding is filmmaking, storyboarding is acting, storyboarding is draftsmanship. And so it's kind of like, all of my skills together in one, it just made sense to me to focus on storyboarding and do the things that I like to do all in one thing. And, you know, that was the impression that I had going into it when I was like, this is what I want to focus on. And storyboarding is its own beast besides all of those things that I just described. But oh, yeah. it definitely, my sensibilities work best working in storyboards. Like I'm, I draw fast. I don't like to, you know, take a lot of time doing the line art and, and getting really pretty and nitty and gritty. I just like to get my ideas out there and make people laugh. And so um, that's kind of why. I mean, that's that's fair enough. And it's not like you haven't had a hand in some of the other aspects, at least in my research, if yeah. I may say. In fact, one of your first big positions that I at least noticed is being an animation builder for Nico and the Sword of Light. Um, I've, never oh even heard, I, I, I've never even heard of this position beforehand. What it, what entails being an animation builder? Um, so I was, I wasn't, how do I even describe this? <laughs> I had an internship at Titmouse okay. right out of college, and um, then I helped rig after my internship i helped rig puppets for nico for a couple episodes so i would go into flash and i would have all the um like turnarounds and stuff and i would put i don't even remember what i did really (laughs) i just remember like puppets like they all have to connect and like there's the families of folders and stuff and so I was the one like putting together those folders and making like I, I remember I had to do ants some kind of ant character so I was making like the joints connect so when an animator went in and needed to use the puppet it was all rigged up and um I would do mouth packs for that that was my very first like job <laughs> I can't believe you found that. IMDb is very telling, but but it can also be very wrong. (laughs) It's not wrong. It's very right. I just, that was like such a, I don't know. That was like one of the very first things I ever touched. That's so funny. I mean, it's certainly interesting that you're describing it. Basically, like you were setting the groundwork for like the animators to come in and like make the magic happen, which I mean, it's still a very important job. Yeah, it was a very short-lived, like, just toe-dip in the water of working in animation for me post-internship. So that's really funny that you bring that (laughs) up. I I like to do my research very thorough when I want to make sure that I get the guest the... I, I, again, I'm trying to give my uh, guests the platform they deserve, and trust me, even if that's a small piece of the platform, it is a very strong foundation. And I know another strong piece Hello. that you had was probably your first storyboard job, which was for the Angry Birds movie too. Yeah, <laughs> how that was that was, experience like? I loved working on that movie. Well, first of all, 
I got to work with like people I looked up to. So like mm. I said before, I loved Flapjack and so working with Thurup was really awesome. Yeah. He's He's one of my favorite people. I remember, so I worked at a Dairy Queen for a very long time while, like, going to school and everything. And my story for getting this job is, um, you know, I'm at Dairy Queen. I'm doing the drive-thru, and I start an order, and I'm like, welcome to Dairy Queen. How can I help you? And then I look at my phone while I'm, like, typing in, and I get this message, and it's like, do you want to work on the Angry Birds movie? And I was like, Hold on. <laughs> uh, I can someone take this order? And I was like, what do you mean? And so I got offered a storyboard revisionist position. And this was like seven months after my internship when I was back home, the dead of winter. And yes, people ordered ice cream in the dead of winter. But like all hope felt lost. And then I had this opportunity while I'm in the middle of taking an order. It couldn't have been a more like... I don't know, just funny experience. And so I walked outside and like took a phone call and it was real. I got my uh, opportunity to move back to California. So that was a really enriching experience. I learned a lot. It was, I grew so much on that and we had a, a pretty small team. So I got pretty okay. close to that team as well. It was a great experience. I mean, I would imagine it's a great experience. I mean, especially with that movie alone, like I know the expressions on that one were some of the more defining features. So I imagine you being kind of like one of the people to set that up for people to make to reality. Like, and especially <laughs> for, for you, especially for you, like this, like you said, this was your first chance being like, you know, interacting with a real animation team on storyboard and such. So I imagine yeah. for you, like, like you said, it was an enriching experience. It must've been incredible to like finally get that first taste of, you know, making it big, I guess. Oh yeah. Yeah. And not only that, it was hard. Like I had, for what it's worth, I thought I knew what storyboarding was, but I had never storyboarded before. So I was, I was learning a lot on the job. And I remember one of my coworkers reassured me that like, you learn the most, on the first six months of every job forever. Like every new job that you have, you're going to learn the most beyond school, beyond what you thought you knew at the last job. You're going to learn the most the first six months of every job that you take. So, and it was true. It was true. I, I mean, fair enough. And obviously, you know, you said for every new job, you know, it's that learning experience. I imagine obviously that learning certainly hasn't slowed down with each new position or in each new show. Yeah. I know the next one in my little bit of research they had after Angry Birds was Thundercats Roar. Yeah, that was another one. So that was really cool because it went from feature where I was the youngest person on the team and I was the revisionist. And so I wasn't like necessarily boarding full scenes to now I'm with my peers. And that's kind of what's different about feature to uh, TV is like, I feel like feature has a lot of people embedded in the process that have just been there for years and years and years. So I was, I think I was 24 years old when I, when I started on Angry Birds and everyone was in their thirties or older and had families and stuff. And then I go into like the playpen at Chuck E. Cheese and I'm <laughs> here in Thundercats with like my peers. <laughs> so I was working, we had an all uh, women's story room, which was really cool. Nice. And I had a really talented board partner, um, Roxanne Cole. She's gone on to be like, she's a director now, I think. Nice. So we had a couple of really fun episodes. Yeah. And I've stayed friends with all of those people. I actually, um, you'll probably, you're going to get to it, but the team that I work on now is like a ton of people that I worked on Thundercats with. So, you know, you meet people along the way, you're going to see them again. This industry's small, so... I mean, fair enough, and trust me, compared to some of the other shows you've had a hand in as well, like, I can see how that connection is kind of there, you know, through and through, but I mean, nevertheless, like, especially for all these shows, like, for you, is it incredible to know that, especially for a lot of these shows, feature, like, very prominent figures that a lot of people, like, truly love and are beloved and such, does it ever amaze you the fact that you're getting an opportunity to work with such characters? I'm humbled. I'm definitely humbled, especially when I work on things like, um like Charlie Stone, where these are just characters that people, like my parents, they were characters that were around when they were kids. Mm -hmm. I remember, and we'll get to it, but when I started working on Jelly Stone, I told my therapist, and she's like, <gasps> I was like, even my therapist is a fan. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You cut out there for a second. I did not even hear what you said right there. But oh, no. <laughs> oh no! Which part? The, the entire like you said. Last thing I heard was then my. Yeah, you know, I told my. I told my therapist that she said, "It's literally highway." <laughs> She was like, "Oggy doggy and doggy daddy, I oh, love them. I loved them when I was a kid." And I was like, "Wow, even my therapist is a fan." <laughs> I mean, yeah, we can go ahead and jump to Jellystone. I mean, Jellystone. I mean, it was it, like it certainly had a lot going for it. Cause in fact, that like I said before, it had a lot of characters that a lot of people loved, like throughout history and such. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like you know a lot of people could have predicted it's either going to do really amazing or people are going to absolutely not even give it a chance right. because of the characters involved. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's kind of the way that it goes, but that show had a, our team, again, a lot of my peers, I was working, that was my quarantine show. Actually. Oh, I was really you. bummed. I mean, not that I wasn't bummed that the world was in pandemic, but when I got on that show, I was so excited because it wasn't just like a, a bag of, talent it was a bag of talent that were my friends like this was this was like my uh if if angry birds was freshman year and thundercats and inside job were my sophomore year this was like my junior year where i knew everybody i was ready to have fun and we were all in the office together i had just decorated my office and then boom we were all sent home so that show that show is so beloved now. I see the fan base. I see how much they love it. And like, just so you know, it was all made blood, sweat, and tears through quarantine. Like that. That was. It was a great team. Hard and a hard situation to be in, and they still turned it out amazingly. So. I mean, I could certainly attest to that by saying that yeah, you know, I can't get enough of that show. Just the interactions between everyone. It's just, so good. It's so amazing. Like I was gonna say, the situations that arise. Just you know, the humor of that show is one of the best ones out there. If I'm gonna be honest, like you guys, that's, that's the team. Yeah, because it's hard driven. So like that's Ian Muchler, that's Katie Graziano. You know, that's Charlie, like Megan, everybody, everybody that was a board artist on that, they were writing that. Hannah Yubi, like she was a director. I I could go on. I'm. This is my list of everyone. Like everyone that worked on that is so talented, and they wrote those episodes. And I, I felt so inspired on that show. I even got to write a short for it. So the Winsome Witch short is one that I wrote and boarded myself, and that was an honor, uh, just to be like a part of that team. And and I'm really interested in writing for animation, so that was just a treat to be a part of. I mean, even just get that little taste alone. Like I, if nothing else, like it sort of validated, you know, younger you being like, you know, hearing that there was yeah. no career in art or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, you tell me, you know, I can't make an art career, but yet here I am making the stuff that you watch. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I think about myself going back in time as an apparition to 12 year old me. And just like whispering in her ear and being like, it's gonna be okay. Like, you're gonna be fine. Just follow, follow your heart and work hard. There you go. There you go. And I mean, it, it, one of the aspects I did want to talk about when it comes to Jellystone is you said it already, but like the incredible team that you get to be working with, especially like the creator, C.H. Greenblatt. I mean, I, yeah. Like, just the fact that you get to work with all these incredible people and have your hand be a prominent part in such a beloved show. Like, yeah. I can only imagine that, especially for that experience, it must have been like both an enriching experience, but possibly like overwhelming at times. Just the fact that you got to be a part of that. It was. I think every show that I work on is one of those like pinch myself kind of moments because every time I work on a new show, it's like I never thought I'd get this far. I will say working with Carl, like there's just something about him where he he's really good at listening to your intention. Like I, if I ever felt nervous pitching an idea, especially when I was writing my short, like, you know, I'm pitching out all of these ideas and, and amongst all of us who are pitching, even if that person was nervous or even if I was nervous and didn't articulate it very well, he's very good at listening and picking out the element that like the essence of what you wanted to do and being like, Oh, this is what you meant and putting it into like story form. And it always amazed me. I think he's a really good listener, really good writer, really good teacher. So I was really humbled to be able to be part of that. I mean, 
as someone that doesn't have a hand in animation, I would only imagine how much fun it would be to work with that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I imagine... It's good when you can collaborate. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I also imagine another good experience that you had to have was one of a, a very, I wouldn't say beloved, but a very loved show that people talk about. And that's Inside Job that recently yeah. released on Netflix. And what was that, if I may ask as well, how was that experience working as part of that show? Because if that I get something cool. new and original. Yeah, so I was <laughs> I was the first board artist hired on that show. Really? Just by, like, it was just by like happenstance, but it was cool to to be there from like day one. So I worked on the pilot and I worked on a lot of the like first season and I don't know, it was just really interesting because it, it was one of the hardest jobs that I ever worked. It was it pushed my skills to the limit. It, it, I mean, you've seen the show. It's a really, like, huge idea and lots of comedy. And there was a lot to that show that made it so special. So everyone worked their asses off on that show. Um, it was really cool. It was really, like, from the ground up. I had never worked on a show from the ground up before. So it was it was pretty awesome to see, like, you know, from a script that went one way to, like, oh, now we got all these great ideas for it. And, you know, you had to kind of, like, work hard on the spot. So definitely one of the hardest shows that I worked on. But you've seen the show. It definitely yeah. paid off. I mean, it certainly did seeing, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, for the creator's name, Shion's, uh, uh, yeah. seeing her creation basically come to life. With, it's such a unique an interesting concept, like especially all the characters that are involved with it. So cool. <laughs> so yeah, cool. she's like one of the coolest people I've ever met. She's got just this. I don't know, like her style of writing and her the way that she stylizes like her intention with stories and stuff. I just think it's really fresh. I think she deserves all the praise. Like I think Inside Job was such a cool idea and. She's someone to keep an eye on. Like she's been writing for your favorite episodes of Gravity Falls. Your, yeah. You know, she wrote for Disenchantment. She's just anything that you think is super fucking cool right now. Shion probably wrote on it. I don't know. That's a big claim to say, but I really admire her. I mean, to be fair, she is someone that I had loved to have had on this podcast as well, and I'm hoping for that day at some <laughs> point. But nevertheless, like seeing her basically sur like survive and thrive with all this stuff, like it's definitely worth it, and then some. Um, but I mean, that was another show that was in quarantine too. Like for the first six months when I was on it, we were in office, but then I moved on to Jellystone, and around you know the same time as I went home for quarantine from Jellystone. You know, everybody in animation went home and animation thrived because we were able to work through home from home. But yeah, Inside Job was another show that had to survive through quarantine. And I was able to, you know, continue uh, helping out on that show through quarantine, too. So, I mean, it, it was a really interesting time for animation. That's definitely say if nothing else, like. I hope, like, it's obviously, like, quarantine is never, like, the ideal situation, but I'm hoping with that time in quarantine, animation gets a lot more love and gets a lot more time to shine now that people had the opportunity to work on that compared to the live-action counterparts that happened in that period. Yeah. But yeah. I guess only time will tell, right? <laughs> I mean, think of it this way. What were you doing for a year and a half? You were watching stuff, and you were probably watching animated stuff, and those people that worked on it were probably making it while you were watching it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's a whole process. <laughs> uh, but nevertheless, like, you know, I know that's probably the, you know, the, like all these shows that I talked about or whatnot so far, like, you know, obviously with and angry birds as well, like this entire journey, like taking a step back, has it amazed you or how do you feel like thinking back on this art journey you've had so far considering how insane and up and down left and right it's been? Yeah. Um, I still, every job, when it's starting to come to an end, I'm like, well, I'll never be hired again. <laughs> like, it was just a fluke this whole time. Definitely a lot of imposter syndrome. But in an effort to be kinder to myself and and honor the achievements that I've made, like, I'm really proud of myself. I'm really proud for being where I am. I'm really happy that I've been able to work on a lot of shows that share my sensibilities and that I feel so comfortable in. Um, and, and 
just growing and learning from them too. Like I say, you know, this or that show was a hard show to work on, but it had helped me grow and be even better for the next show that I work on. So now that I've gotten a couple under my belt, I'm really proud of myself. It was like the first couple jobs, I'm like, oh, it was just a mistake. They just needed to fill the spot, but that's not true. No, like I'm not. here because I I deserve to be here and I work really hard. So I was gonna say animation yeah, I'm is proud myself. Animation is definitely not Dairy Queen, if I do say so myself. Um, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, with all the, do you have a personal like favorite moment, or just like what you would consider like the best moment so far on this art journey that you can think of? Hmm. Probably being able to write and board my own short because that is so completely. Like, I, from the bottom up, it started with five small ideas and then honed one big idea. You know, it from top to bottom, it was kind of like my humor, my sensibility. And I want to continue writing. So that's whenever I feel that imposter syndrome, I go, I can go to like the Cartoon Network YouTube and look at the thing I made that turned into a full-fledged animation and be like, yeah, I can do it. And I can keep going from there. So I'm really proud of that. I also have to say, like, in that same vein, it's it's got to be, like, insane thinking back that one of the, the networks that you used to watch growing up is showcasing artwork <laughs> that you made. No kidding, man. <laughs> I it's To have my name, like, in credits, no matter how fast they go by, like, you know, waiting for the next show to be up on... On TV, even even in the day of like streaming services and stuff, I still get a tickle from you know being on having my name on TV and stuff like that. It's it's an honor, I mean, and I want to keep working hard. I I mean you, it, it should still be an honor, nevertheless. The fact that you get to work on incredible stuff, and obviously, like you said, you still want to work hard on this stuff, and you're certainly not sawing down anytime soon, considering the fact that you are also no. a. a <laughs> You are a board artist for the recently announced Tiny Toons Luniversity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, I, I know there's probably isn't a whole lot that you can tell NDAs. I don't want either of us to get in trouble just for talking. But I, mm -hmm. just, I want to at least know like the experience aspect. How incredible is it for you to once again be working on such a beloved IP and being able to work with, I imagine, an incredible crew to bring this vision to life? Yeah. How has it been so far? awesome i think this is my favorite job that i've had so far and Ooh. um yeah it's it's interesting uh because tiny tunes was actually a show i watched a lot as i was a kid i watched wb and i'm pretty sure that's where they played it um so to to have my own hand in it and to feel like so validated that my humor and sensibility is working for it i I'm I'm happy. Sad that we're still in quarantine working on it. So yeah. I'd love to be with my crew in the office, but right. for what it's worth, I'm really happy working on it. I mean, nevertheless, the fact that you get to work on that, which, I mean, I think it was a surprise to a lot of people when it was even announced, let alone that they're making mm -hmm. it a reality. Because, uh, you know, especially the fact that we're getting, like, Animaniacs and all these shows back once again, like, it's incredible to know that the love, yeah. and the love is still there for this kind of stuff. And, I know I'm certainly excited totally. for it. I know I'm certainly excited for it because, again, it was one of those shows like you where I watched that growing up and I couldn't get enough of it. But mm -hmm. obviously without breaking NDAs, what do you think that the fans should expect when this does become reality? Um, that's an evil question. <laughs> I can't. Can, can, would it be just fair to say that, you know, expect all the loony from beforehand and then some? <laughs> Uh, I think you should expect to be tiny, toony, and all a little loony. That's the best <laughs> way to word it without breaking anything. I got us covered. <laughs> but obviously, on top of all these other experiences, it's not like you just dedicate yourself to just storyboarding and sleep. You also happen to nightlife with an extra fun, mini, extra hobby or whatnot as a VTuber. Yeah. <laughs> I do. What exactly um, that's my go oh go ahead i'm sorry <laughs> that's like me for me drawing all day even though i draw on my stream being able to moonlight on twitch as like a vtube personality that's how i keep my sanity when i want to still draw but i don't want to do work stuff so i don't have to put my face on i just 
set up my rig and I talk to my little clutch of people, my 15 people that come every time. <laughs> and I just doodle or I play games or we like, you know, any any gambit of things when I'm bored. Sometimes I'll wake up early in the morning and I can't fall back asleep. So I'll just stream. Yeah. I'll stream as my VTuber. I'm not as as like every day, every week kind of streamer person. I just do it whenever I feel like it. But for what it's worth, for all intents and purposes, I do it to keep myself sane when I still want to draw, but I don't want to work. It's very fun for me. I mean, trust me, we've had I've had several VTubers like appear on this podcast as well, and I know that there's oh, a, lot, cool. a lot of passion. I was gonna say, in fact, uh, you recently like I guess your recent Animal Crossing stream, uh, you mm-hmm. actually streamed with a friend and former guest on the podcast, uh, Roshan or Roya uh, Shahidi. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those like she, like knowing that like she's recently beginning into uh, VTubing and like sh- I love her model more than anything else. Like she's really like killing it so much. Yeah, we play Gardic Phone. Yeah. Um, I've been on on her stream. She's been on my stream. Um, it's just it it's like so feel good. It reminds me. Well, like I said a while back, I I was on Doodle Chats and I was on Okaki boards and it. it really reminds me of those days where like you had a persona and you know that's what you looked like online and your friends had their personas and you draw each other together so it it really takes me back to that's that's 12 year old me it's 12 year old me keeping my sanity (laughs) as as 20 year old me works i mean if nothing else like if that's what's keeping 12 year old you sane or especially you now saying like it's certainly a good way (laughs) I mean, very true. I was gonna also say. Plus, I, I have to say, I love your model. Your model is absolutely stunning. Thank you. I, I, I wanna... so that was all. Um, my friend Felix. They go by Neon Stars, and I designed the character, but they made that gorgeous model. Like they yeah. did the the painting for it. They rigged it. So if you want to check out uh, Neon Stars dot net, they have tons of info on there if you ever want a model i am so grateful that i got one from them because it just looks awesome what's the what's the story behind like the character and says like what made you want to be like yeah this is who i'm going to use to represent myself (laughs) um i i didn't really have uh like this is going to represent me it was just i have this character and I like their design a lot, and I haven't used it for anything, and I think it would make a really cute VTube persona. So, really nothing nothing special about it. <laughs> Very cute mascot. So, And I, I was drawing her all the time. Her name is Spiky, Spiky Peaches. I was drawing her all the time, and I was like, I'm going to do something with this. And it's humanoid enough, but, like, not totally a furry and nothing wrong with furry but it was like i needed something in between human and non-human to just be on the internet (laughs) i mean fair enough i mean if if nothing else it's certainly a good decision it's one that certainly people can you know go towards and i i know it's probably like one of i I imagine like that's it was fair for you to pick that character the fact that for a lot of your own personal art you tend to go down the uh demon route i should say uh, <laughs> That's so funny you say that. I do like to draw a good demon. <laughs> I was I was gonna say like, what is it about like just that aesthetic alone just kind of attracts you to that? You know what I think it is. I think it's. I'm gonna you heard it here first. I think it's because I went to Catholic school, and I think <laughs> it's like some weird subconscious. I don't know, like, the anarchy away from that. Because I, I don't really, like, I don't identify as Catholic anymore. But there's something really interesting about Catholic symbology and imagery, and it comes out a lot in my art. Um, and demons are just fun to draw. Horns makes everything better. Yeah. Demon wings, bat wings makes everything better. <laughs> um but I do, like, I remember looking at Hieronymus Bosch paintings and being like, this is amazing, yeah. but also spooky and a little strange. And I like to think that my stuff is cute and spooky and strange, so 
Yeah, I think that's where it comes from. I was going to say, judge on your background alone, I think that's still something that aspires you to this day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Absolutely. Now, I know you like taking your own personal characters as well, and there's a comic that I noticed on your website at the very least of like a house party or something like that. You want to elaborate people that Um, don't know? Yeah, so uh, Rojo's House Party is a comic that I have been updating semi-regularly um but it's about this princess who wants to find a boyfriend and so she uh starts a house party where she can pick the most amazing hottie eligible bachelor but i plan for it to go horribly wrong for there to be shenanigans and for people to be in a competition where they didn't know what they're getting themselves into and it just turns into shenaniganery that's just for me that's like my i need to do something um that isn't work and that is solely like my characters fun for me junk food and i was like what better when i came up with the idea i was watching the great and i was watching a lot of rupaul's drag race so i was like i like this regal royal like court and i like competition shows with lots of like camp and color and fun and so i kind of put them together um and made that. <laughs> I mean, the, the little tastes I was able to get of it, like it certainly seems to be a, a fun little concept. And uh, yeah, I think the shenanigans should certainly, you know, be one hell of a time if I do say so myself. Um. <laughs> yeah, I just like people laugh. So if I could do that page by page, that's fine by me. I mean, and I kind of, for me, I figure it out as I go along. There's no, there's no big thing that I have planned for this. It's just today I'm going to draw a page, and I think this will be funny. So you can, you can look out for that. I was going to say, I mean, considering your art journey so far and all the opportunities you've had to make people laugh, I think you've done a good job at that and then some. Uh, oh, thank you, thank you so much. Um, I, I did want to emphasize a little bit, like I, I noticed, like especially with that, like the art style that you kind of have going for is this like cute, somewhat chibi style or something like that. What is it about like Mm -hmm. your art style that like you, like what made you decide to go with that kind of art style? Just how simplistic it can be, but also very expressive or like how comfortable you are with it. Like what was it about that art style? Mm, I think I'm going to mention quarantine a lot during the stream because it's, it just, it's a big thing that happened, but When I when I had a lot of time to myself to kind of reflect on what I wanted and as an artist and where I was going, if I, if I could only be by myself and draw, I was like, hey, you liked anime a lot when you were a kid and then kind of were told that it was wrong to like it or draw like it. But there are, an, there are elements of anime that just like really make me they really tickle me they really make me chuckle and so i feel like a lot of my expression sensibility comes from that um uh and on the other hand i like drawing really ugly expressions but when i was designing those characters i just like to play with shapes a lot as well like i like to figure out really simple ways to make a really stylish character so i like playing with all sorts of like shapes and seeing how far I can push something while being simple. So I think I have some anime influence and some design influence and it's just fun to draw cute, stupid shit. So. <laughs> I, I mean, drawing cute, stupid shit has gotten you this far. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say, even going back to the angry birds days. I mean, that's, that's some cute stuff right there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Those uh, little, baby hatchlings yeah there you go there you go now I, for someone that might be curious themselves on going into like an animation career like if you were just like after, especially after all that we've talked about or whatnot if you were to say one thing to a person to like reinforce them to like go into such a career what would be the one thing you tell a person if they're debating about something like this um if they are in if they're starting college i'll say internships 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 are so important um if they're unsure about college i will say you really you don't need how do i put this without upsetting teachers like it's not that you don't need a degree to be in animation but it's you can get into animation without a degree i have a lot of friends 
that are, you know, just as successful as everyone else and they either dropped out of school or they only got their associates. Um, you know, if you don't want to be in debt for the rest of your life, there's other ways to learn how to do the skills. It's like a trade skill. So, um, and there's so many resources out there. I guess, okay, now that I'm like, I talked all that through, I will say when I was in college and that was in like 2010 to 2016, the resources, all we had was like Steve on. Steve on was doing a class and he was the only one. And I took that class because it was the only class. But now there are just, there's so much. There's so much at your fingertips that if you want to get a degree, my my suggestion is to get your associates and while you're doing your gen eds, go online and look up any anything you want and just learn and just teach yourself and learn from people because everyone took the time to put that information out there. So it's there for you. If you want this job, then start building your catalog of you know classes and there's a wealth of knowledge out there for you to learn. It's not about going to a fancy, expensive art school. It's about your own personal drive and pushing yourself to learn those things. There we go. Now, now I have to ask. Yeah. Now I have to ask, thinking about the younger you, right after they heard that counselor telling them that there shouldn't be a career in art or whatnot, if they heard that, <laughs> if they heard your own advice that you just gave to everyone else, do you think they would listen? Younger me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I'm. I think younger me would be too young to understand how to how to apply myself. Okay. I will say that going to college t- taught me how to be an adult, and that is a value valuable part. Especially when you live at your college, it teaches you independence. Um, I think younger me would be more hopeful, and if those resources were available to me when I was younger, then I. I think I would have started my career, you know, five years sooner. So, you know, it's there. It's you can do it. It's all all of the resources are there for you to do it now. I was going to say, I mean, at the end of the day, nevertheless, like just look at the career you've had so far. Like, it's still incredible that you're here at this point and you're still going doing incredible stuff. And I imagine for you, it's not really obviously it's not slowing down. So why don't we go a little bit above and beyond with this next question? Let me give you, if I may say, the dream scenario. Let's say I have big shot Mr. Moneybags, and I come up to you and I'm like, look, Gia, all the art that you're putting out is absolutely incredible, and we know that the work ethic you have is one of the most top-notch things out there. Uh, we have mm-hmm. access to anyone and everyone in the industry, and we have more money than there should be possible. We're thinking about starting another streaming service, but we'll focus on that later. Um, <laughs> if given this opportunity... What would be the dream Gia project? Gia of 2021 December would say, I want to make a series of shorts. I thought for a long time that I wanted to be like a showrunner or have my own show and have these grand arcs and everything. But as I've settled into my career and seen everything that it takes to make A, B, and C, I really just want to make a couple of like moments in time a couple of ideas and I want to you know make them really well make a really well animated funny well voice acted stylish short I want to make like a couple of them and just have that exist in time and space for eternity that would make me so happy to just have like a short two shorts something like that something very like concise and special at a moment in time. Are we basically just going to be making Rojos into a, uh, into a short <laughs> series? <laughs> yeah. There That's the plan. There you go. <laughs> and also, if you do need some, uh, prof- some semi-professional voice acting, I- I'm available for it. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a good plug. I, I'll say I'm not no John DiMaggio, but I think I can put my voice out yeah. there. Um, <laughs> But sadly, we have to come down from the dream scenario. We have to get back to reality. And I'll ask the ever so generic question. Where do you hope to see yourself five to ten years from now? In a house. (laughs) That's a good goal. Dude, like, if we're going to get real for a second, I, I am so grateful and happy to be 
working in animation, but I live in an apartment and I want to live in a house. So I want to have whatever job it is that gives me the money to get a house here in California so I can continue working in animation and live comfortably. I want that. (laughs) That's like not a very inspiring thing. It's not, but I want an office. I want a studio where I can like paint and draw and do everything. I want a house. Get Gia a house 2025. There you go. There you go. I was going to say, hey, you said yourself, you know, the the money – like you want the job that will give you that house. That's why you got to be that showrunner with the 20 different, like long standing arcs and stuff. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> That's why I'd be a writer. There you go. That's <laughs> <smart>. action. <laughs> I imagine writers for animations are, you know what, especially with all this new deal stuff going around, I think it, talking about, you know, money and animation is probably not the best. Um, <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, but nevertheless, um, as we start winding down this conversation, I just have one last question that I want to ask. Obviously, like you're deeply entrenched in art. You've been entrenched in art basically your entire life. How important is art, not just for you, but for the world as a whole? I mean, I kind of said it a while back, like what was everyone doing when we were stuck in our homes? Like you were watching stuff, you were consuming art, you consuming media, even if it was on TikTok, someone was taking time to make that for you to, you know, get through the day. So I think art is as important as anything. Like, you know, when, when you're working your job, you're probably looking at your phone, looking at Instagram or something. And so I think it's really important to support not only like the artists that, make the shows that you were, you know, you watch, but the up and coming people, the art that you find on your feed that you take a second to like and pass by. It's, it's super important. Well, there we go. There we go. That is wonderfully worded. If I do say so myself, that was all the questions I have for you. Um, I've already showered you with, I've already showered you with a whole bunch of praise. Um, I'm going to show you with a little bit more (laughs) because it's my podcast. I do what I want. Um, Obviously, Gia, like I said before, just seeing the shows that you've been able to have a hand in and having a – what's the word I'm looking for? Being able to be a part of that is absolutely outstanding, but also seeing your own personal art and seeing just how amazing and outstanding it is on its own. I I was already loving what you were putting out there nevertheless. But now I got a chance to actually – Now I got a chance to sit down, hear your story, hear your journey, and seeing that, you know, it like I said before, it certainly isn't slowing down anytime soon. Seeing that you still have a lot of love and passion that has basically, like, been your entire drive. It's incredible to hear that. And I just know that whatever you're going to be having a hand in next, you know, eat, you know, I know next is, you know, Looney Tunes or Tiny Tunes Luniversity. But even beyond that, like just knowing what you're going to have a hand in is going to make it a quality product at the end of the day makes me really appreciate what you're oh, doing. Oh, my gosh. And I Thank you so much. And I, I nevertheless, like I sincerely hope for the best for whatever you do next. So thank you for what you do. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate that. I'm just being 100% honest right now. Now, for those who may not already know for one reason or another, where can they go ahead and find yourself? Plug yourself for the people at home. Cool. Um, you can find me at Gia Ligamari on Twitter and Instagram, and I stream kind of on Tuesdays, kind of on Sundays on Virtual Gia on Twitch. And those are kind of the... Those are the places. Those are the places. Do you have any final words before we sign off? Um, no. <laughs> okay. No. Then. <laughs> then if that's the case, all I have left to say is for the people at home, hasta luego, mi amigos. Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to ApocalypsePodcastNetwork.com. And remember, every time you support one of our sponsors, you're supporting the podcast you just heard.
Thank you for sticking around to the end of the podcast. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, uh, welcome. I hope you enjoyed. I hope what Gia had to say was wonderful to hear because I had a great time talking to her. Uh, if you're returning, uh, hello once again. I sincerely hope you enjoyed. Um, and I hope that, nevertheless for everyone, I hope you guys are having a very happy holidays. Christmas is literally right around the corner. And I'm going to go ahead and give you guys a heads up. This is the final episode of 2021. With how busy the upcoming week or so is going to be, I'm just going to forego one before 2022. Uh, or before 2022, I should say. Or did I say that? Either way. Um, yeah, this is this is the end of 2021 for us, ladies and gentlemen. And by God, it has been a hell of a year. Uh, that's probably putting it nicely. It's It's been a wild one. It really has been. For better or for worse, with all the changes that have happened within the past year alone, God, I couldn't even believe it. I can't believe it. I still can't believe it. You know, thinking back on it, like this year... Like, I know this podcast is still very, very, very young, but just the past 12 months alone, a lot of improvement has happened, and a lot of incredible stuff has happened. This was the year I was a part of Apocalypse Podcast Network. I was a part of a podcast network, and I am forever grateful for everyone in that group that has made me feel like a part of it. Um, it's, It's incredible to know that. This was the year that Tipsy got on board and truly elevated this podcast to a completely different level. And I will forever thank her a million times over for that. This was the year that I had my first video to hit a thousand views. Um, compared to some you know videos or compared to some stuff out there, that is like baby numbers. But for me, it's a major deal. Um, I had two videos actually hit that. Thank you, Will Wood, and thank you, Warrior Cats Animated, for making that a reality. You guys were incredible guests, and I'm glad to know there's a good, strong, loving fan base behind you guys. And I hope that if you're here because of those guests, I hope I've been able to keep up the level of quality that the first go-round was. Um... Hell, this was the year I upgraded my microphone. Uh, I opened up the merch shop, put out some incredible stuff, made some incredible friends, had some incredible moments, shared some really quality stuff with you guys. And I thank you. I thank each and every single one of you for sticking around with me through all of this. This podcast is not perfect, but I sincerely hope that what I am offering to you guys is a good experience, and I hope you guys are more than willing to stick with me with whatever happens next. You know, whenever I started this podcast, I I wasn't sure exactly how it was going to go. Now, granted, I didn't expect it to, you know, blow up and be the instant sensation. I I didn't expect it to be like, you know, TikTok and all that stuff. But I'm happy with how it's developed so far. I'm happy with how 2021 has really brought this into the direction I wanted to. I'm glad that 2021 really gave me an opportunity to talk to people that I've wanted to talk to for ages. It's made me feel like I am as much of a part of this art community as I can be. And I sincerely hope that we can be able to keep this up. I really do. I don't know what I do without you guys, seriously. You know, things have been a little bit rough just in general. But you guys seriously help me kind of stay afloat. Whether it be you, the fans that give feedback, because trust me, it gives me like the instant dopamine rush to see you guys like comment on something or say something on Twitter or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like it really just like helps me out, whether it be that or whether it be guests that have since become my friends and such. 
Um, it is awesome to know that our conversation wasn't just, you know, talk and go. So, as weird and as warped and as miserable as 2021 was, I cannot thank you guys enough for allowing me to enjoy a good quality year of content. And I hope to keep up that content and then some. Um, I know... I know the first episode is gonna for 2022 is gonna be a very special one because I'm hoping that the guests that I brought on to help them out in a major way with this upcoming episode. But for now, I shall leave you guys with nothing more than this. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sticking around. I really do appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you.